Welcome! My name is Stephanie Jacques and this is Jacques Talk. Today I have an awesome, awesome guest. One of my friends for, oh, possibly 20 years, folks, possibly, is Dave Ogan. He is, he's, he's done a lot and you'll learn more in this episode. You'll, you'll hear. But right now he works for the MLC and you will learn what that is. You will learn if you're an independent artist, an artist, a songwriter, anything, why you need to know about that, and you will learn a little bit about his journey. So tune in. This is the audio from our Instagram Live, and enjoy our conversation. Very excited um, to have him. Here we go. Um, here we go. Hi. Um, we're going to talk about his journey. Hey, how are you? Sorry. Let's see. Gosh. Okay. Ready. Do you have audio? Yeah, I hear you. Do you hear okay, me? Okay, perfect. Okay. Yes. Hey. Awesome. Hey, it's good to see your face. I know. I've been seeing you since Nashville seen- 2019. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen you in Jeez. forever. <laughs> it seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. It seems like a lifetime ago, but yet Nashville's still there. Same <laughs> stuff. <laughs> How have you been doing? How have you been doing in this pandemic? In I've been doing okay. Um, you know, keeping busy. Um, a lot has changed for me. Uh, you know, it's changed for me during the pandemic um, in regards to what, you know, what my focus is on in the music industry. So that's been really interesting. You know, as you know, last time we hung out, I was promoting Tune Registry, the, you know, the business, the software that I built, and I've since moved on and joined the MLC. So, um, you know, the focus has uh, still been on supporting songwriters and artists with music rights, but now in a different capacity at the MLC. Mm-hmm. So it's been that's awesome. I mean, I I'm so glad to have you on because I've I've known you for a very long time. When you used to be a promoter in UCLA, I, I talk about that all the time. I think it's you a- promoted my birthday party. <laughs> I, <laughs> like yeah, at national. On, yeah. On uh, Wilcox. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like 2007. I don't know. It was a long time ago. I'm glad that we don't age. We look good. 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 So <laughs> I want to kind of get into your journey from from that to to where you are now. And I know personally, it was not a linear, a linear journey. So right. how how did you begin? And how did you start um, figuring out where you wanted your place to be in this industry? It's really interesting because and this is a very important conversation and something I have all the, all the time with my students and, and um, uh, mentees, but, you know, my place has evolved mm-hmm. and um, I've always been willing to allow um, the circumstances and environment and opportunities to define what my place should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was always a through line theme, right? It's always been music industry, business, supporting artists. But how that showed up has manifested differently over the years. And you've seen it from, from me working with DJs back 
and UCLA to promoting independent artists while I was working at Chic and building the music platform at Chic and discovering and promoting artists, you know, from Kendrick Lamar to, you know, YG to Die Dollar Sign to Omarion, you know, supporting independent and emerging artists um, to, you know, establishing my own label and publishing company and artist management company and then evolving and building technology to support artists with in-store music videos, promotion. So it's just, it's been all over the map from being more hands-on and close with the creative process in the studio, given some direction on vocals and, mm -hmm. and to dealing with music rights and publishing and helping artists understand how to navigate their rights. Um, so I've been very sort of um, flexible yeah. in terms of you know, how I show up in the music industry, which has enabled me to be involved in so many different sectors um, and to collaborate with so many different types of people and different um, companies and, and, and nonprofits and membership organizations and um, just, you know, being, being flexible. But it didn't, you know, start there because like a lot of people I support, you know, I came here as an aspiring artist. Mm -hmm. uh, and this entire kind of part of my life uh, working on the business side is totally not even what drove me to Los Angeles. Um, or what I thought I would be doing, right? I came out here like most people in the music industry who come out here is just to be an artist. Yep. Um, and at 18 years old, uh, and on December 4th, 2003, one-way ticket, afternoon at Burbank Airport, right? And that's, that's a moment that I acknowledge every year, every December 4th, because there's a milestone, there's a milestone, and there's also a way to kind of evaluate what has happened since the last year. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it has not been a linear journey. Um, and it's important for me when I have these conversations to talk about my failures just as much as I talk about my successes, um, because to, together that really defines who I am. Um, and, you know, it's not just, you know, these wins, but there were tons of losses along the way from losing my companies and losing opportunities to, um, you know, as artists losing opportunities, you know, from my first audition for making the band, which, you know, that season became day 26. I'm like, that's my name. <laughs> um, you know, losing that opportunity and going out, there, going out to auditions for musicals because I also was an actor and, you know, not really getting that far. Um, although I had talent and still have talent, but you realize that, you know, you're competing with the world's top talent. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's not that, um, you know, it's something to discourage, but I also had other interests and opportunities in terms of the business side and wanting to explore those too. So it's been a whirlwind um, of, you know, moments of repeat, uh, achievements and successes and then moments of you know long you know kind of long periods of of, of challenges that I've had to navigate both both professionally and personally um, and you know ultimately that you know defines and builds who I am um, as a support system for others um, but also who I am in terms of my own journey in the music industry which has not ended right I'm still on this journey yeah. it's still evolving um, you know the MLC is the next adventure, uh, which is an exciting adventure. And I feel like the things I've been doing over the last um, almost nine years has, you know, put me in, on the route towards my role now at MLC, which is a very fitting role. Um, you know, my role is the head of third party partnerships. And in that role, my job is to develop and execute um, effectively most of the partnership opportunities for the organization. And I'm doing partnerships with um, nonprofit member nonprofit member organizations i'm doing partnerships mm -hmm. with uh, companies that support um, music creators and rights holders such as software companies like tune registry and blocker and exactuals and music data ser uh, services mm -hmm. who are helping 
um, music creators and songwriters manage their metadata and get their songs, you know, properly checked against the MLC's database. Um, tons of conversations that are underway right now with um, different, or, you know, sort of groups that are regional across the country who are working in, 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 in a capacity in their local markets to support artists in different ways. Um, so just looking at how the MLC as an organization can support those initiatives and then also developing initiatives internally um, for career development, for, you know, helping to educate um, music creators about their rights and their entitlements in the United States as, as it pertains to um, the law, because you know, our, our role is to, to administer the government mandated Section 115 blanket license, which, which was born out of the passing of the Music Modernization Act in 2018. So mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff is really interesting because I came out here as, as you know, narrowly focused on I want to work in the entertainment industry as a talent, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be an artist, both an actor and musician. That, that's what drove me here. That's what picked me up out of my small town in Ohio to come to Los Angeles. And then when I got here, you know, um, in addition to pursuing that, I realized that the um, kind of, I had a certain acumen as a uh, strategist and a business person and a, and a leader to take on um, sort of roles that kind of, I evolved into, um, you know, starting with you know, just kind of supporting my friends who are also aspiring artists um, in different areas of the music, music industry and entertainment industry in whole, as a whole to making that official leap into management at my senior year at UCLA with starting with DJs, yeah. um, you know, and that kind of got into that route after promoting clubs and, you know, doing parties for student groups and, and um, you know, booking DJs and realizing, you know, those DJs realizing that, you know, I was a... Um, you know, they felt that I was a, a good person to work with as a manager, and that kind of got me in this whole different direction of management that evolved into executive producing projects that evolved into owning masters and copyrights and, and, and so forth, and then evolved into having to do the research and independent um, um, exploration in that uh, kind of rights sector um, that started this path that I'm on now. So it's been a lot, but um, it's been interesting for sure. I would get, and since I've known you, known you throughout, and and you've helped me, and even when the pandemic started, I saw like all the stuff you posted about resources for independent artists, and it was able to to keep me afloat. And I've had to learn. I came to um, LA to be an artist, and now I am mainly a writer. Mm -hmm. um, so I I pivoted not because of like you, not because of lack lack of talent, but because I found my my sweet spot the spot that, that the community was giving back and I wasn't just giving my effort. So what did, did you do when you realized you needed to keep pivoting to, for your trajectory to keep growing in this industry? Because I know a lot of people like with their pride, they're like, I'm not giving up on, on why I came here. Right. But you seem to, to not give up, but to pivot in the right moments to keep accelerating right and you know i think it's important um for us to i think try to wrap our heads around the difference between giving up and and pivoting mm -hmm. um because you know my goal was to work in the music industry yeah and initially that was driven by being an artist right i still work in the music industry you know i yeah. still i work in a different capacity now i don't see that as giving up i yeah. see that as pivoting into something else that I'm also really good at. Um, and, you know, essentially, you know, not necessarily focusing on 
uh, being the artist part, but you know, I've been able to support literally thousands of artists as a result of that pivot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I, and I enjoy what I do and I love what I do. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm passionate about it just as I was about, you know, the art. So mm -hmm. I think it's simply um, trying to identify the different ways in which you can still be a part of something. Um, you don't always have to be, um, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's not going to always end up the exact plan that you have for yourself. And that's okay. You should be flexible. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you know, there are people who you know, still are very passionate and driven and want to be and are in the route to be, you know, established artists and, and they should, you know, continue doing that work, but also just be flexible. Think about the other ways that you can, um, you know, be a part of the music industry or, or entertainment industry in general. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, you know, I, of course, I was passionate about music. I'd always been passionate about music since I was a kid. I've been singing um, and came out here to be an artist. Uh, but I was also passionate about, you know, business. I just didn't know it. Um, you know, I was doing a lot of different um, things and extra in kind of student groups and extracurricular activities where even, you know, uh, adults in my world, like my, like my guidance counselor and you know, my best friend's parents and, and my parents would, you know, say, look, you know, you're very business savvy. You're very leadership driven. You're, you know, and I was involved in a lot of things. So those, those person, those traits about me and those, that character about me came to light later um, in terms of me being a serial entrepreneur in the music industry, you know, building mm -hmm. businesses and, you know, taking my ideas, developing them into actual, you know, into technology companies and then helping a lot of other music entrepreneurs from, you know, independent label owners to independent publishers to tech startup founders with their businesses, um, to music libraries and so forth. So, um, you know, it's still an interesting way to uh, participate in the, in the industry um, and still get a lot of enjoyment and get a lot of joy out of it uh, without necessarily being the artist. Okay. What, and I say this, um, bringing back the MLC into the conversation, what, if people don't know or, or independent artist is still young and still learning um, what they need to know, how will the MLC, how, what does the, I guess, how do I word it? What does an independent artist need to, to know about the MLC? Yeah. And what should they be doing in, okay. in their career to make sure that they are getting their money? In right. the, Those are two, great, two great questions because, you know, a lot of people are still trying to figure that out. And, and myself and my uh, colleagues at the MLC, we've been on over a hundred webinars and panels and, and virtual conferences and summits over the last several months, having mm -hmm. this conversation, um, promoting and uh, driving awareness in regards to MLC. Um, you know, so let me kind of take a step back for those who are not familiar with MLC. We've been using MLC as a, you know, as an acronym, but the MLC stands for the Mechanical Licensing Collective. Um, it is a nonprofit organization that was designated by the United States Copyright Office to administer the blanket mechanical license, uh, which was created out of the Music Modernization Act of 2018. So just kind of some quick one minute history. Um, you know, there's two copyrights. And when it comes to music, you have the, uh, the musical work, which is the lyrics, the melody, um, kind of notes, um, the arrangement. Um, and then you have the sound recording, you know, which is um, a derivative of that because it embodies um, the, the musical work. So you have the sound recording. 
So generally speaking, you know, the musical work copyright owner would be a publisher. So when you get a publishing deal, the publisher, sometimes copyright owner or the, or the songwriter can maintain that ownership. And then the owner and the sound recording is the record label. Um, so, so think, so I'm gonna just use the word song for musical work. So songs, so you have songs and recordings. Recordings are artists and record labels. Songs are songwriters and publishers, um, composers, lyricists, and so forth. So on the song, um, songs have been federally uh, protected in terms of copyright since 1907. Uh, but we've had very little updates to how uh, songs are licensed in the United States over the, over the decades, over the century. <laughs> so, um, we effectively have been operating off of the 1976 Copyright Act with some amendments along the way. Um, so the last time the Copyright Act was sort of overhauled was 1976. Um, and then there were a number of, of amendments that have happened over the years to help um, address uh, um, new innovation in the music industry. So for example, mm -hmm. um, in the 1992, we had the Audio Home Recording Act, which was an act that um, established a, um, a tariff for um, media, a blank media like CDs and um, re recording devices um, to uh, make the manufacturers pay into a pool and then to pay royalties to artists and labels uh, for this blank media that can be used for piracy. That's mm -hmm. Audio, Home Re Audio Home Recording Act of 1992. Then move forward to 1995, we, have the, uh, we started to get internet um, started to get internet music and, and digital and digital uh, radio. Um, so we had the in 1995 the um, Digital Performance and Sound Recording Act of 1995, which established Sound Exchange, and mm -hmm. Sound Exchange administers Section 112 and 114 of the Copyright Act, which is um, the sections that deal with um, licensing internet services like Pandora, satellite services like SiriusXM, cable services like Music Choice and to make sure that, that um, artists and labels are paid royalties um, for, the, uh, license, you know, for the public performance of sound recordings. Then we moved to 1998. We had the Digital Millennium Copyright Act of 1998, the DMCA, which is a, it essentially creates a safe harbor for internet services like YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and any service that allows the users to upload content so that the service themselves are not liable for the copyright infringement of the content that's being uploaded by users. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also put into place new rules and regulations for how that content is managed. So sometimes artists will see their own content get strikes, copyright strikes, because of the way that all of the, uh, the copyright management is happening around that policy. Then we move forward uh, from 1998 to 2018. So that's 20 years, 20-year <laughs> hop to the Modernization Act. Right, so the Music Modernization Act um, has three titles, uh, three parts. Uh, Title I, which is called the Musical Work Modernization Act, is a update to the way songs, musical works, are licensed um, to digital service providers like Spotify, Pandora, um, Apple Music, um, Deezer, so forth. Um, before, there was no organization in the United States responsible for collecting mechanical royalties for songwriters. And mechanical royalties are what you're paid uh, when your song is reproduced in a phono record. So a physical um, good like a CD or vinyl or cassette, um, a, a audio file, MP3 wave, um, you know, distributed into interact interactive services, 
um, you earn a mechanical royalty, but there was no organization. Other countries have organizations responsible for collecting mechanical royalties and paying um, publishers and songwriters. Uh, we did not have an organization. So it was kind of piecemealed by all these different companies that, that handled um, the administration on behalf of publishers um, or on behalf of, and or on behalf of digital services. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, the MLC was formed, Mechanical Licensing Collective, and we're now the organization that is responsible for collecting mechanical royalties from uh, digital music services like, like Spotify and Apple Music um, and iTunes, um, and then you know, uh, paying out the copyright owners, um, which can be a publisher or a songwriter. So now there's an organization. We went into uh, oper operation um, effectively this year. The, well, the license became effective January 1st, and in April, we'll start making uh, those royalty payments, mechanical royalty payments um, for yeah, royalties that, that were um, not only the royalties that are accrued today, but also those that are historically unmatched, meaning you may have had songs on Spotify or on um, you know, Tidal or Deezer or, or any of these services and may not have collected mechanical royalties in the past, um, where we're responsible for also matching those historically unmatched uh, royalties to the copyright owners. So what should artists be doing? So I gave you that kind of huge crash course. So now knowing that artists need to, if artists are, or songwriters, if uh, effectively we're, you know, the, our members are, are self-administered songwriters, if you own your own copyrights in your song, um, then it's your responsibility to ensure that your songs are properly registered with the various music rights organizations. Um, you know, some uh, songwriters are, are already aware of ASCAP and BMI and CSEC, um, and then they are, they're aware of SoundExchange. Uh, but the MLC is a new organization to be aware of because we're handling the mechanical rights specifically for the song, the musical work, uh, which is to be paid to songwriters. So, you know, making sure that they go and join the MLC, and then mm -hmm. once they've joined the MLC, need to register their songs with MLC. Um, you can check our public search. You can check our public database right now to see if your song's already in our database. Um, if it's not, then you know that's an indicator that you know it may not be uh, there when it comes time for us to to calculate and pay out royalties. Um, so it's important that um, uh, independent artists uh, that are you know songwriters that own their own master. I mean, sorry, own their own publishing to you know, start that process. If they're using a publishing administrator then the publishing administrator will be doing that for them. They just need to check with the publishing administrator, administrator just kind of double check. But um, if you don't have a publishing administrator, then you know, it's, it's your entitlement to come sign up directly and to get paid directly from us, 100% of the royalties, no, no commission. That's, that's awesome. And I remember when you were explaining this to me, um, <laughs> I was so like, okay, there's so much I need to know because yeah. obviously I own my own publishing. I, um, I have chosen that um, to do as much independent as I, I can for my leverage for my career. And it was a week. I was, a, I was shocked by how much I was missing. Mm -hmm. I thought I was doing it right. Like I have a degree in music industry. I try to keep up, but I felt like so many things were slipping through the cracks. So I'm really happy that yeah. there is a place like the MLC to kind of tie it all together for somebody that's trying to do it all independently. Yeah, there and, are. And doesn't yeah, and, and, want to have to sign something with like- I'm 100% pro-independent. You know, I've been 100% pro-independent since, since I was an artist. Um, and uh, eventually I started an independent label and independent mm -hmm. 
supporting independent artists and independent songwriters. Um, and once I, you know, dissolved those businesses and moved into technology, you know, I built software to support independent songwriters, independent artists. Um, now that being said, you know, there's pros and cons to being independent. Obviously, you know, you take on all the work and for owning all the, the income streams um, and, and the copyrights, which can be great from a leverage standpoint, like you mentioned, you know, at that time when you're ready to do a, a, a major deal, you have much more leverage when you can come in and with some history in regards to how your, how your rights and your assets have performed. Um, but, you know, the challenge in the meantime is, okay, well, I need to do all this work, right? I need mm -hmm. to make sure my songs are registered. I need to make sure that my bank account is set up with every organization so that they're getting, I'm getting direct deposits. When I do earn money, I need to make sure that I'm receiving my reports so I can look and, and see that, you know, if my songs were streaming on this service, I need to be able to see that and how that, how that, you know, tracks into royalties. Um, so it does require a little bit of work, but it also makes um, you a little bit more savvy uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to conversations with you know, a publisher um, or labels, independent or major, you, you, you kind of have an idea of, okay, well, you know, the last few years, this is what I did in performance royalties, mechanical royalties. So, you know, I kind of know where I'm at, like how, where are you going to take my career? Like how, where are we going with, with, with this? Um, because I know my baseline based on my, what I've been able to achieve by myself. So if I'm bringing a team on and I'm giving up half my copyrights, then how much further are you going to going to push my career if I'm giving you what, 50 or 100% of my, of my copyrights, right? Are you going to double the size of my career that it is today, right? Does, it, does that make, you know, how, what is the you know, benefit? So you're, a little, you're able to um, do a better analysis of the opportunities that are presented to you um, when you're ready to sign a publishing or a label deal as an artist if you've spent some time building a, a career and a lot of times you know you see artists who've been signed immediately off of social media you know they they don't have any historical data to be able to go and negotiate you know and it, and it's um you know not to say that all the the deals are bad but i mean if i'm a label or a publisher and i'm taking all this risks risk for someone who just basically has a trending song right now i don't know if they're gonna have a career in five years or in 10 years um, then I'm going to try to get as much out of it as possible, right? So, you know, which means who's not getting a lot of out of it potentially is that signed artist or, or songwriter. And I don't say that to knock labels, but I just say that because my inbox is full of people who you, that people follow on social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, who you would think that are taken off and they're in my, in my inbox with not understanding how the deals that they're, you know, uh, are just signed into, you know, once, mm -hmm. once that honeymoon, and um, and they realized, oh wait, I you know I signed up to 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 do three albums worth of stuff with someone I wasn't necessarily in love with in terms of you know a label. You know I was just in love with the idea of being signed, um, yeah. or I just signed up for um, give away 100 percent of my copyright on every song that I write and all the songs I wrote in the past. And I don't really, this publisher is not even helping me get my songs in TV and film. So it's like you know I'm seeing these kind of conversations happen. Um, and some and, and and some of that has to do with you know not having proper representation, um, like a you know a good lawyer. But mm. it also has to do with you know this, you know this scale of if I'm gonna if I'm gonna give this this kid an opportunity, um, how much risk am I willing to take? This is the question that labels and publishers have. Um, how much risk am I willing to, to take if if they just had that one hit, that one song that went viral, but they're not gonna have anything follow up? Am I gonna give them? 
a huge advance. If I'm going to give them a huge advance, I'm going to, I'm going to take a lot of something. Yeah. Um, so that's the challenge you have when you don't spend a little bit of time at least developing an independent career um, and, and networking. So, you know, you can uh, have, have, a, have a better foundation and then, like I said, better leverage. I love that, that explanation. And I think, yeah, you have to be able to, to do the work. And I think the more knowledge you have of the business, the, the better your artistry can be because you won't get taken advantage of. You can have the conversations or you know who to hire that can have those conversations because you know the questions to ask. Um, as we close, I want to ask you one more question. First of all, sure. I want to say thank you again for, for spending this morning with me. Absolutely. But um, what is your one piece of advice for independent, young independent artists? Um, for young independent artists, um, I mean, it's, my advice is the same for everyone because okay. I'm the last, you know, really the last um, number of years, my focus has been on the business side and, and music rights and copyrights. At the end of the day, I'm a copyright purist. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that you own your art, your art, you know, the moment you create and fix it in tangible form, um, which is when copyright is established. Um, and at that point, if you're going to be in the music business, you need to take some time to understand the business part. Otherwise, you're in the music hobby, and eventually you're going to get run over by those who are in the business because you mm -hmm. have to focus on that part, right? I can stay at home and come up with some really cool, interesting pizza um, um, recipes and make them for my friends all day long. But the moment I go and try to sell those recipes um, or sell those little pizzas, I need to understand how to market myself, how to pay rent for a, a brick and mortar, how to hire people, how to deal with my business license and taxes. That's a business. So mm -hmm. you want to go beyond playing music in your room. Uh, it's for your friends and family, and you want to actually put it up on, you know, services like Spotify and Apple and, and and all the other ones, and get into the business. Then you need to spend some time understanding the business, and that can be done, you know, the traditional way of of, of education. But, you know, a lot of it is done also with independent research and following, you know, the right, um, you know, um, you know the people and pros in the industry who are giving knowledge all the time about the business part. So make sure you spend, make, make room for the business, you know, make room for understanding the business that you're in. Thank you. So thank you so much for, for all this information and for people that came in late, I will be posting this and I will link the MLC and some other resources and some of Dave's resources because um, you should follow him because he has a wealth of, of knowledge and very, very helpful with your content that you provide. Absolutely. So, you just bring Reminding me, I'm going to go ahead and post um, my website, Daybogan Music, because I have a ton of free resources, articles, podcasts, webinars, a free ebook called the DIY Musicians Starter Guide mm -hmm. for Being Your Own Label and Publisher, which breaks down you know, a lot of the business stuff we talked about. Um, so it's all it's all on that website, and you can search the search box for keywords, and stuff will come up. Ah, thank you, thank you so so much, and. Have a beautiful Thursday. Me. Of Thanks. course, anytime. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Day, for joining. And thank you guys for listening to the episode. I did want to give a little update. If you go to the Instagram, either my personal Instagram, Stephanie Jacques Music, or to the Jacques Talk Show, there is a link in the bio, a link tree that will have Day's website. And you can further learn about the MLC, the Mechanical Licensing Collective. If you are an independent artist or an artist in any way, songwriter, 
you should know about this. And so you can kind of dive in deeper, deeper, deeper. And yeah, I appreciate the time that was taken and my buddy Day, who I've known forever. You just never know where friendships are going to lead. So have a blessed day. Have a wonderful day. And let's continue to elevate the conversation and grow, folks.